the goat quest was a ton of fun. My small group crushed it. We especially did good at identifying the animal tracks somehow. We got an 8 out of 10 at that game, and I was, I was pretty darn impressed. Well, I'm going to ask a controversial question to start off tonight. And who in here is an iPhone fan? And any, any Android fans in the room? There's... There's a few of you, you're just louder, okay? I'm a big Apple fan. I've been a big Apple fan for a long time. Me and Jesse have argued a little bit back and forth about that. But did anyone see the new iPhone come out? Yeah, yeah. It looks cool. It looks exactly the same as the last few. But if it isn't broken, like why, why fix it? So, like I said, I'm a big Apple fan, and I like to start my messages sometimes just sharing a little bit about old Neil, a little bit about younger Neil. And so, today, I'm going to tell you, I've, I was like raving fan of technology and Apple and innovation, so much so that like some people might say I was like a little bit obsessed. I remember... Every iPhone coming out, like from middle school, I would I would go to school for the day. I would have it on my calendar that there's an Apple event happening, and I would come home and go to their website on our desktop computer in the living room, and I would watch the whole Apple keynote address. It started with Steve Jobs, and then I, I watched it when Tim Cook took over, and so I was just like a raging fan. And I think when we were all younger, especially somewhat even now, though, we all have these silly little things that, that we're obsessed over. Maybe it's like a celebrity crush, a TV show, SpongeBob SquarePants. But there's always something silly that you've been obsessed over. I think obsessions in our life can come close to worship, but worship is like an obsession to the max in a sense. And so tonight we're gonna be talking about worship and, and worshiping God. And I just wanna start by asking the question, what is worship? And so I went over to the, the good old Webster Dictionary and it came out with these two definitions for worship. Worship, the verb. To honor or show reverence for as a divine being or supernatural power. And the second definition, to regard with great or extravagant respect, honor, or devotion. I think these definitions are, are really good, but I think worship goes beyond just our beliefs. It goes beyond what we think with our mind, and it goes deeper into like the innermost of our being. And so tonight we're going to look at, at scripture and try and come up with a definition of, of worship for ourselves. And we're going to be looking first in Mark chapter 12. If you want to turn there, we're going to be kind of all around the Bible tonight. Not usually what I do, but worship is found all throughout the Bible. And so we're going to be looking in a few different spots. So if anyone did sword drills in kids' church growing up, now's your chance. We'll be flipping through. All right, so I'll start reading for us in Mark 12, starting with verse 28. 
says, and one of the scribes, the scribes were, were people who knew the law, who knew um, the religion really well. So one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he answered them well, asked him, him being Jesus, which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, the most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. And so Jesus answers this question from the scribes, and he answers by using a quote from from scripture from the Old Testament that he knew. That, that is a passage that you can find in, in Deuteronomy. And then the, the scribe's response I find interesting too in, in verse 32. And the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one and there is no other besides him. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding, with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one asked him any more questions. I just think that's funny. Jesus answered one question really good, and they're like, let's not even dare to ask him anything else. And so from that passage, I want to like, like boil it down into a, a definition of, of worship. And I think we can say worship is the action, because worship's a verb. Worship is the action of deep love that requires all one's heart, all one's soul, all one's mind, and all one's strength. So I think worship really isn't just singing songs. It's not just the beginning part of our, our services, but worship is something that we do. It's an action that, that happens and it, it requires all of us. And if you came into this place today wondering what's God's purpose for your life, I've got good news. I, I really believe there's just one thing that we've been made to do and one thing only, and that's to worship God. And, and you can do that with whatever else you're doing in life. And so now that we have a definition for worship and know what worship is, I want us to ask the question, why do we worship? I think we worship because in our hearts there's, there's a longing for more than the world can offer. And, and God put that longing in your heart that you might find him and, and come to know him. And in Ecclesiastes 3.11, speaking of God, it says that he has put eternity into man's heart. This eternity, I believe, is, is a sense of longing. It's an understanding that there's more to life than just our day-to-day. -day. It's this, this eternity in our heart. It's what makes us human. The, the animals of the earth, they don't have a sense of eternity. We have this innate knowledge in us as people that there's something more to life than we see in the here and now. 
And we've all encountered worship. We've encountered worship, whether we worship God or, or worship other things. The things that are worship that aren't God, they never satisfy the longing of the heart. You see, we can worship substances. We can worship idols. We can even worship people or pleasure. We can worship ourselves. We can worship our careers and achievements, but in the end, none of that will satisfy us. None of that will fulfill the longing um, that's in our heart and will still be left empty. And to just try and pull out that example of, of we can worship substances, if we just put that back into our definition, our definition that, that it's a love that requires one's heart, one's soul, one's mind, and one's strength. If you ever see someone addicted to meth, they're going to use their whole heart, mind, strength, everything to get meth. They're going to be able to, to try and worship those substances while there's a, a hole in their heart that only God can fill. And so now I want us to ask, why is it that we should worship God? Why, why God? I think we worship God because he is the only one who is worthy of our worship. There's, there's nothing that compares to, to the goodness and greatness of our God. There's nothing else that will fulfill our heart's longing. God is worthy of our worship because he is creator he is worthy because he is all-powerful. He is worthy because he is all-knowing. He is worthy because he's healer. He is provider. He is our source of hope. He is good. He is truth. And he is holy. And we worship God because he is the only one worthy. I can spend all night trying to list the reasons we have to worship God, but Megan has an after-party planned for us, and so I'm not going to do that. Now, that is sort of the introduction. I just want to get into the meat of the message tonight. And, and tonight, I want to answer the question, how do we worship God? When we worship God, I believe there are three approaches that we should take. First, we need to approach God with reverence. When we worship God, we approach him with reverence. So our God is worth our reverence. He's worth our honor, our respect, even our fear. All of the attributes of God that I just listed make him worthy of our worship. And the fact that our God is holy and powerful beyond measure makes us revere him. We revere him because we cannot be within his presence or his holiness if it weren't for what Jesus did. And so I just want us to, to think of, of reverence in our culture today and, and the sense of, of reverence we have for, for different things in our life. I think in many ways we've sort of lost a sense of, of reverence for those in authority over us. That the most obvious thing that, that comes to mind to point this out is having us think of our government leaders. And I'm not going to preach anything political. I'm not going to talk about opinions. That's not, this isn't the place for it, and that's not what I want to do. But I want us to notice that 
there's a lack of respect in our culture for for leaders of the country and and whether it's right or not there's just not not respect for for those in authority and i think if we look back just not too many years ago it was common to have some reverence for people who were in charge whether that be your professor your parent your political leader, your pastor, your dentist telling you to floss, there was reverence for those in authority over us. And we must not be careful to, we must be careful to not lose our reverence of our creator. It's hard to pick out one spot in scripture that points out the power and holiness of God, which demands our reverence. I think to the men who moved the Ark of the Covenant, I think of the prophet Isaiah as he cried, holy, 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 when he was seeing a vision from God. I think of a couple of Moses's encounters with God to show his reverence. But the one that we're gonna read tonight is, is in Exodus chapter three, and we'll be starting in verse two there. Reads like this, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. That's crazy. And Moses said, I will turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. And I just, I think it's funny that scripture is like sharing with us the whole thought process of Moses. Well, I'll just turn aside and see why this bush is not burning up. When the Lord, then it continues, when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush. Oh, now the bush is talking. Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. God was, was warning Moses to proceed with reverence in this moment. And then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. So Moses has such a reverence towards God that, that he's afraid to even just look at God in this burning bush. Now, I get this is different from how we interact with God today. I haven't once had God show up in a burning bush. I haven't been walking on campus and see a bush light on fire and not burn up. That's, that's pretty crazy. If it happens, you know, God's still all-powerful. He can do it, but I, I don't think I would hold my breath. However, I think that our approaching of God should mimic that of Moses in a way, that, that we should be ready to stop everything. We should be ready to get our sandals off and, and be uncomfy, get down on our knees and just be in reverence before the God of the universe who is all-powerful, who is holy, who is the only one who is perfect. I think reverent worship is worship without distraction. It's, it's worship when we get down on our knees and on our face, and it's when we wait on the Lord and, and just stay and worship him until we hear from him. 
I think what comes to mind and in, in reverent worship, I I get to work a lot just in in my life at at my church and here in Chi Alpha at like producing good services and and that's like doing the sound and and lighting and slides and all of that and one of the goals of of producing services is just that we would have worship that is free of distractions and that helps us have this reverent worship and I get to serve out at a remote camp in the summer called Camping In it's it's just outside of cell phone range in Alaska and I love that I don't have like the distractions of of my phone while I'm worshiping like I can't just go and and google something and then to get distracted by Instagram I have to have like my old-fashioned bible and the concordance with me so I think God wants us to approach him with reverence approach him with reverence just as as Moses did that's should be our first approach to God. And secondly, I think we need to approach God with confidence. Now, for a second, this might sound contradictory. How can I have reverent worship and confident worship? How am I supposed to be confident in approaching God when he is holy and I am not, when there's this burning bush and, and Moses had to look away? How, how is Moses confident in that? How can I be confident today? I think there's only one way that we have that confidence, and, and that's through Jesus. Moses didn't get to have the confidence. He had to cover his face and not look at God. But today, we get to have confidence in our worship, and that's through the work of Jesus. And Hebrews 4 explains this for us. In Hebrews 4, starting with verse 15, it's, it's probably one of my favorite passages of Scripture. It says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. For us, then, with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need." So this great high priest, this high priest that, that they're talking about in Hebrews is just referring back to Old Testament times where the high priest had to be a mediator between God and man, had to do the work of, of trying to use animals to atone for the people's sin. And now because of Jesus, he was tempted as we are, yet without sin. We have and, and now we have that confidence to, to draw near to him. That means when we worship, we don't have to let anything hold us back from God. We can enter into to the holy places, in, in a sense, and enter into where God is now. Paul instruct, instructs us that in our reverence of God, we should also have confidence. We have a God who is full of love and grace who understands us better than we understand ourselves. So when we worship, we get to worship him with confidence. And I was just thinking of like the innocent confidence of a child. And that's the confidence that God wants us to approach him with. If you think of, of a child, they 
sometimes will feel like they they know everything and they they won't be quiet about it or the the innocent confidence of a child doesn't mind bothering their parents <laughs> no toddler is is going around and like oh i don't want to bother my mom right now to get my snack i was just reminded of this like innocent confidence have you ever as a kid just like made a really bad mess, a mess that you aren't capable of cleaning up, so you have to like go get mom or dad to help you clean. Well, that happened in the middle of the night one time. One of my sisters, I won't tell you which one, threw up in the hallway in the middle of the night and had to go wake up mom. And was mom super happy? No, but like it, it just needed to be clean. And mom in her just dazed half-asleep self actually said, oh, don't worry, it's a holiday. <laughs> and tried to turn around and like go back to sleep. And no, mom, I have a mess. And that's like this, this innocent confidence of a child that isn't afraid to bother their father or mother. That's, that's the confidence we have when we go and, and worship God. I think there's a few things that can try and ruin our confidence in our life, ruin our confidence to go before God. One of these is shame. Shame tries to rob you of your confidence to go before God and worship him. It can be shame from just like messing up and, and sinning and the enemy will try and use that shame to keep you from from going and and drawing near to God. And drawing near to God is is the solution. That's what he wants. The fear of man can be a, a distraction from our confidence. Sometimes we can be afraid of what like other people think of us when we're worshiping, when we're raising our hands, if we're getting on our knees, we can be like worried about what others might think instead of just acting in confidence. Another distractor of confidence is our fear of emotions or this like fake toughness that that we have especially as guys sometimes we just don't we don't want to cry and don't want to cry before God that is a distractor from your confidence to worship God that it is okay to to cry before the Lord I think finally another distractor is just a heaviness or or depression sometimes can can keep us from trying to to go before God in confidence and just as I was practicing this message earlier this song just kept going on and on over in my head I just I couldn't get the song out of my head and it was just one part and it says I throw off all my heaviness and I put on a garment of praise I throw off all my heaviness and I put on a garment of praise. I, I love that song, but I didn't know like why, why it was stuck in my head. And I'm like, that's got to be something in scripture. So I looked it up. It's in Isaiah 61. And Isaiah is prophesying about the coming of Jesus. 
And what's really cool is that Jesus, when he teaches in the tabernacle in Luke, he actually opens the scroll and reads this prophecy from Isaiah and says it's fulfilled. So I believe that in our just confidence as we approach God and worship with confidence, we part of that is approaching him with expectancy. Just expectancy that in worship, God will do things. God will move. He's still active today. So I'm going to read um, Isaiah 61, just starting in verse 1 there. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And that part where it says the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, the NIV and some other translations say instead of spirit of despair, God's going to give a, a garment of praise. And I just felt like the Lord wanted to to do that in someone's life tonight is that he wants to to take that spirit of despair and just just give you a garment of praise a garment of praise that you never have to take off he wants to take that morning and bring joy we'll pray for that later but but thirdly and and lastly i think we need to approach god with total abandonment when we worship god we need total abandonment. We approach him with empty and open hands, ready to, to just receive what he has for us and uh, not carrying along anything with us. I think Romans 12 tells us to do this, to, to approach God with total abandonment. In Romans 12:1, it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So what is our spiritual worship? Our spiritual worship is to present our body as a living sacrifice, to, to live our whole life as a sacrifice of worship to God. And being a living sacrifice means you just say yes to God over and over again. It's to ask him how high when he tells us to jump. I believe it's, it's the deepest form of worship, the worship that involves all of our body, soul, mind, and might. It's just obedience and service to Jesus. And Colossians 3.23 really tells us how to live a life of worship too. It says, whatever you do, work heartily, as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance of, as your reward, you are serving the Lord Christ. And that means that as we go to our jobs, as we go to our classes, whatever work that we do, we get to do it for God. And, and 
we get to try our best, and, and that is worship unto the Lord. You see, when we decide to live life as a living sacrifice, we start to put others' needs over our own. We start to put God's desires for us over our wants. And we begin to say, yeah, I'll, I'll go to small group. I'll go to Chi Alpha. I'll, I'll go to church and, and read my Bible before class. And we start saying no to, to the things of, of worship, the things of the flesh that aren't as beneficial to us. We start saying no to, to staying home and scrolling on Instagram or watching Netflix. When we... Our live, we, when we are living as a living sacrifice, we start to do all things for God's glory. And we realize that our giftings in life are just as they sound. They're gifts from God, and, and they're meant to, to give him back glory. I'm going to invite the worship team to, to come back up as we close, and I'm just going to share a story from my friend Jim Elliott. So Jim Elliott knew how to worship God with total abandonment. He's actually not my friend. He was a missionary who lived in the 1950s and dedicated his life to spreading the message of Jesus to unreached peoples in Ecuador. And he embarked on, on this missionary journey with the goal of reaching a violent and isolated tribe known for killing outsiders. And as Jim Elliott and his fellow missionaries faced numerous challenges along the way, um, including just language barriers and the dangerous jungle environment, they could have turned back and, and said, this isn't worth it. But they had made some contact with the tribe and, and decided that they were going to go in and, and teach them about Jesus. And um, their efforts just faced extreme obstacles. They showed up to, to tell the, the tribe about Jesus, and they died that day. They died just so shortly after they were trying to do what Jesus asked them to do. And so Elliot lived a life of worship, a life that was in just such full abandonment to God. And a journal entry of his that, that is famous and, and just one of those, those quotes that I like to think about and ponder all the time is this. Jim Elliot wrote, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And Elliot realized that his life wasn't something that he could keep and hold on to. And so he was going to give it entirely to Jesus to, to use him. And today I just want to challenge us that it's not, not foolish to live a life that's in full abandon to Jesus. That worshiping Jesus with everything is the best decision that you could ever make. And full abandon today for your life probably doesn't mean moving to Ecuador and being a missionary. But full abandon can just look like 
making God more of a priority. It can look like trying to to tell just one friend about him. I'm still figuring out what full abandon looks like in my life to Jesus. So today I just want to challenge us to, to worship him more fully. And as we respond, I'm just going to ask everyone to to bow your head and, and close your eyes. And tonight, I just want us to worship God with our full selves. Would, would we worship him with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength, doing it in reverence and confidence and in total abandonment? Maybe tonight you came into the been tugging on your heart to worship him for the first time and you haven't put your trust in Jesus yet and you'd like to make a decision to follow him if that's for anyone I just invite you to raise your hand um, to, to tell Jesus between you and Jesus that, that you are accepting his free gift and, and deciding to worship him tonight just going to ask that you pray this prayer after me in your heart. Just mean it. It's just a prayer between you and God. Lord, I just recognize tonight that I am a sinner in need of you. God, you are worthy of my worship and my sin has separated from you. Separated me from Jesus, I just ask that you would wipe away all of my sin, that you would forgive me. Jesus, I believe that you are Lord, and I want to make you the one thing I worship with my life. In Jesus' name, amen. And maybe tonight, the Lord's speaking to you about just a lack of reverence that you have in worship, and he's asking you to take worship of him more seriously, to maybe you've worshiped him, but you haven't really sat and thought about how awesome he is. You haven't uh, worshiped him by, by raising your hands fully and surrender. You haven't worshiped him by lowering yourself to your knees and and just declaring that he is king in that way. If that's you, I'm going to pray for, for the Lord to improve our, our reverence, our, our reverence as we approach worship in a moment. Or maybe tonight the Lord's uh, just convicting you about a lack of confidence that you have, and he's inviting you tonight to boldly enter the throne of grace grace to boldly enter and just ask with confidence for for the Lord to to do something in your life maybe um, it's been depression it's been that that spirit of despair that has its grip on you and and you want a, a fresh garment of praise today you want a joy that that only can come through Jesus uh, a joy that is 
eternal and not gonna go away like like fleeting happiness but um, just this garment of praise that you get to wear every day so i'm just gonna pray for those two things lord we just thank you for the opportunity to to worship you tonight god we thank you for your word and your scripture and examples of 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 worship that we can follow and Jesus, we ask that just like Moses was met by a burning bush and and had an opportunity to practice reverence, Lord, would we always practice reverence when we go before you, when we worship in, in song, when we worship through prayer? And Lord, I just ask you would give us confidence in this place tonight. Give us confidence to to go to you when times are good, to go to you when when we're having fun and and enjoying life, but give us confidence to to kneel before you and enter that throne room even when we don't want to to continue on living, Lord. Give us us, um, confidence to enter into that throne of grace even when we're sick, even when uh, we don't see have any hope for life going well god we just ask for for confidence the confidence that that could only come from you that could only come from that sacrifice that you made on the cross jesus lord we thank you for for the opportunity to just worship you with our our very lives and just ask that that as as we do that lord you would guide our steps, that that worshiping you with full abandonment would would happen in our lives wherever we are. We just pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're going to spend some time now worshiping God, and I invite you to to worship however you need to worship. I invite you to, to move around the room if you need to move around the room, to to get some wiggle room and, and raise your hands or kneel before the Lord. And during this time, our, our staff will also be in the back and will be ready to pray with you, but we're going to worship for a little bit and then Steve will come back up and close.